Before we start the show, we'd like to remind our audio listeners that this show was developed as a video podcast. If you'd like to see any of the visuals that are referenced in this episode, we invite you to check out our YouTube channel. Simply search for the Conquer Risk podcast. You'll see all the shows we produce, including this one. And just like the audio, you can subscribe to be notified the moment a new episode drops. Enjoy the show. From Research by Potomac and the Conquer Risk Podcast, this is Who Charted. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Who Charted. We are recording this on April 18th, the Monday after a three-day weekend, but that is not going to stop the team here at Research by Potomac. Uh, from getting after it as we usually do, six charts in six minutes. With me, as always, is Drew Wells. Uh, Drew, let's see what uh, what you brought to the table here today. All right. Um, we all know that interest rates have been rising, putting pressure on uh, the bond market. Uh, that's an old story. I think that we've seen a lot around the financial media and on the Twitterverse that says, uh, you know, don't own bonds. But the, the you know reality, whether unfortunate or Fortunate, right or wrong, is that many investors have to own bonds, have to own fixed income, right? It's been a kind of a struggle to find some degree of relative strength uh, within the fixed income space. So we have international uh, bonds, fixed income here on the top. This is the IAG. Uh, obviously, not one of the best looking trends that you'll find out there. But take a look at um, IAG relative to the U.S. Uh, U.S. bond market, AGG, right? Been making higher highs and higher lows for almost a year, uh, you know, above a rising 50-day moving average of the ratio. You know, a lot of investors, you know, have some degree of flexibility on what they can and can't own within fixed income. And this has been a relative game for the last year or so. All right. So even as Drew alluded to with, you know, fixed income products under pressure, um, it's interesting that it is not a place that they are go and investors are going as they shun risk, right? We've been talking and writing for a long time that investors are expressing an unwillingness uh, to take on risk. And one of the things that we at the team here uh, have created is the RBP regime index. It basically looks at key intermarket relationships across equities, fixed income, and commodities to get a gauge of you know what type of environment are we in? Are we in an environment where investors are seeking risk or shunning risk? And you know right now we're in the camp that investors are risk averse. Uh, this regime index has been chopping around uh, for over a year and is now heading lower. Uh, you can see it starting to break down at the top of the chart. The bottom panel of the chart is the six-month slope, showing us that the intermediate-term trend is now to the downside. Um, so we've talked a lot about commodities. Uh, that's been a theme that you know it's been showing up in our work for quite some time. Um, I wanted to highlight uh, this development here. This is crude oil futures on the top pane, uh, S&P 500 equal weight energy on the bottom pane there. Uh, many of you probably already know, but Chevron and Exxon make up roughly 50% of the energy index is a little bit better gauge of um, the behavior of the average stock within energy, right? So interesting thing that we have here is that we've been making lower highs uh, in crude oil since, you know, basically the beginning of March and the opposite uh, divergence effect has been happening in the equal weight energy sector. So higher highs. So that kind of begs the question, you know, do investors in energy stocks know something that the commodity markets don't necessarily know yet? And, you know, you could definitely lean towards yes, because if you look at a lot of the other inflation related themes that have been working really well in the marketplace, they've also held up, you know, quite well. So, you know, this could be a case where uh, the commodities uh, catch up to the stocks. All right. Speaking of regimes, uh, this chart is interesting. It's a little bit granular, but that's the point. 
Top panel, S&P 500. Middle panel is the 10-year note price. Uh, and the bottom panel is their rolling six-month correlation. And what's interesting is that prior to the year 2000, really about 1997, 1998, the correlation between the S&P 500 and the 10-year note was predominantly positive, right? And we were mainly in this kind of inflationary type environment, right? 2000 kind of flips the switch into this disinflationary type environment where the correlation uh, breaks down. There's actually an inverse correlation between equities and the 10-year note. And that was an environment where the 60-40 portfolio thrived, right? So now if we are shifting regimes once again, right, to a more inflationary type environment, we may see a prolonged effect of a positive correlation between stocks and bonds that a lot of investors are not prepared for. All right, small caps, we all know they look like crap, right? The, S the Russell 2000 looks a little bit worse than the S&P 600, which we have here on the top pane. Um, a couple things I want to draw attention to. Um, the S&P 600 hasn't completely broken down out of that trading range. Now, it is you know, finding some resistance at the 50-day moving average, obviously making uh, lower highs over you know, a period since quarter four of last year. But take a look at um, take a look at investors' appetite for risk, specifically within the small caps. This is really probably the only area of the market that's kind of you know bucking that trend, that broad trend that Dan alluded to earlier of you know risk off behavior. Is S and P uh, 600 high beta relative to the S and P 600? Right, so it broke out of a, a pretty long term base uh, in early quarter one of this year. Again, it's breaking to new relative highs. You know, there's uh, very few people even know that there's an index of uh, high beta stocks for, for small caps. So it's really interesting to see the risk uh, spectrum play out here in this part of the market. All right. So my last chart that I brought is a long-term view of the Bloomberg Commodity Index. And I hear a lot of pushback when we talk about commodities, but, you know, they've run, you know, the Bloomberg Commodity Index is up over 130% from its lows in 2020. Uh, that's great, but I don't necessarily think you can make the case uh, that you've missed it if this is the start of some sort of commodity super cycle. If you look at the last super cycles, um, the one through the 70s and also the one that started out this century, they tend to last 10, 11, 12 years. So even if we are two years in to this uptrend, uh, I think that's interesting. I don't think you can necessarily make the case that you've missed it if this is a super cycle. And in an environment where stocks and bonds see positive correlations, where are you going to turn? What are the other opportunities out there that you should be looking at? We've been pounding the table, talking about commodities. Still think that this one's interesting. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. If you like the content in the video, please like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We will see you soon. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.